Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we look ahead to the US Open at Torrey Pines as it hosts America's National Open for the first time in 13 years. We'll also hear from Tom Watson and Garrett Higgins. Hi, I'm Gary Kigo, and welcome to the Golf Monthly Podcast. The Clubhouse is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf, and the choice of previous US Open champions Gary Woodland, Jordan Spieth, and Webb Simpson, who all trusted the Pro V1 and Pro V1X. For more information, head to titleist.co.uk. Hello, and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark, and as ever, I'm joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hey, Tom. Yeah, doing well, thanks. You all right? Yeah, all good. I think I've just about recovered from a very boozy, sunburnt Sunday watching England win. Um, and it's a big week this week. It's the US Open. Uh, it feels like it was only three weeks ago that it was the PGA Championship, doesn't it, Elliot? Yeah. Um, yeah, this major schedule is moving fast. We'll, we'll hear Tom Watson's thoughts on it in a bit. I tend to agree that it's just gone too fast, hasn't it? Remember um, in 2019 when a lot of the players weren't happy um, I wasn't really happy with it either, and I think COVID last year sort of made us forget about that because it was a crazy year, wasn't it? We only had three majors, and they were seriously spaced out with um, the Masters being postponed. And yeah, it's just hit us very fast this year. Obviously, we've got the uh, European Championships as well. We've had the French Open tennis. It just seems like there's an awful lot going on right now. There is. And um, yeah, it is a bit of a shame. I think it's, it could easily get lost in the uh, in the sporting calendar, to be honest with you. So um, we'll have to have to look out for it. I mean, I'm still looking forward to it. I, I love Torrey Pines. Um, it's going to be a tough tough week, I think, for many of the golfers. It's usually set up very very tricky for them. And um, yeah, it's it's the US Open. It's not sometimes isn't entertaining, is it? Sometimes like who can hold on the last. You know who can who can make it to the seventy second hole, which I suppose is quite entertaining itself. But it is a different golf challenge this week, isn't it? Yeah, it always is, and uh, I wouldn't say it's my favourite tournament, but I I do absolutely love it. I love seeing the players struggle. Um, always want to see an over par winning score. Uh, want a bit of controversy as well. So there's always some good stories from the US Open, isn't there? And um, historically, it's uh, it's sort of pars a good score, which which we do like to see. For the most part, yeah, and um, I think I just want to see a you know a good tight finish. I don't really care how, I don't really care that much about the winning score as long as there's a couple of people who can win it. We don't want to run away leader, do we? I don't think. And then it comes a bit, bit of a procession, which has happened a couple of times. So um, we'll have to wait on that, and we'll we'll come on to everything in the US Open a little bit later on. We're going to have a look firstly though at the PJ Tour titles. But before we even do that, before we do that. Elliot, have you been playing any golf? Uh, yeah, I played Friday night, and then I had my medal on Saturday that I remember saying that I feel really confident about, and um, I basically NR'd after three holes because I lost my ball. <laughs> <laughs> so I started off well, par-par, and then sliced it on the third hole into a spot that I always slice it into, basically. And, um, yeah, the roughs just got crazy, and, and I never found it, and... Obviously, it's basically just like a Stableford score, really. So um, I just picked up and carried on. But yeah, the, the rough was very, very brutal for somebody that drives it 
um, like an unmanned hose, I guess you would say, is the same. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that doesn't sound good. No. Uh, so you didn't um, you didn't trouble the scorers, as they say. No, I think my score got adjusted to eighty because uh, that would have been a double bogey on that hole. But um, yeah, it was uh, it wasn't too good to be honest. I was, I was um, a bit gutted actually. I go to the driving range at least once a week, flush it at the driving range every time. But as soon as I'm actually on real grass and I've got a bunker in the way or a tight flag, I just go to pieces and basically shank it. So um, yeah, bit of a bottle job at the weekend. I'll be honest. Your words, not mine. And uh, we're playing golf this week, aren't we? Oh, yeah. Looking forward to that. Playing West Hill, one of uh, my favourite courses in the Golf Monthly Top 100. Should be in fantastic condition. Uh, it always is. And, yeah, um, hopefully there's not thunderstorms because I've seen those sort of touted. I think it's looking all right there, I think, isn't it, tomorrow? So, um, oh, I hope so. Yeah, I think that should be good fun. And you can see if I can hit the ball or not. Uh, oh, I know you can't. <laughs> uh, right okay i'm going if that's going to how it's going to be i think i'm going to get my uh my tough talking out of the bag early so uh, uh yeah should we go fun you'll find out who wins uh well i don't even know if we're playing together yet but um let's see who who does better me or elliot put your put your bets on now um I'm tr- elliot's very mentally weak so he, he could be struggling anyway uh let's talk about some professional golf some people who can actually play golf um and the Palmetto Championship at Congaree, uh, where Garrick Higo won his maiden PJ Tour title and his first ever regular PJ Tour start. The 22-year-old South African finished at 11 under par to win by one. Uh, he wins $1.3 million and is inside the World's Top 40 for the first time. And he also earns his PJ Tour card for the next three years. And he is having one hell of a year. This is his third win two wins already on the European Tour and now really breaking through and, and winning uh, on the PJ Tour as well. Um, he's he's really come from nowhere, hasn't he? And he's he's just playing superbly, isn't he? Yeah, I remember seeing him for the first time at one of the Cyprus events last year. I think he was like top five there and I was like, wow, this 21-year-old South African I've never heard of is looking like he might, might win at the age of 21. And then fast forward probably six months, he's... Um, yeah, just completely changed his life. Um, an amazing runner in uh, the Canary Islands. And then um, saw him struggle a little bit at Kiowa Island in his first ever major, which was also his first ever PGA Tour start. And then just a couple of weeks later, he goes and wins. Um, I thought he closed out really well, actually. He made a, a very uh, clutch up and down from the sand from about 50 yards on the 17th when he could have easily made bogey there. And um, I mean, he got handed the title by Chesson Hadley, who just had a complete collapse on the last three holes. But, you know, it's a 72-hole tournament. The lowest score wins, and, and Higo very, very impressively shot the lowest score out of anybody. I think I think you're right. I mean, I think we need to mention that, that he, you know, he just posted a score and everybody else fell away. It was ridiculous how bad some of the golf was at the end. The nerves were everywhere. I mean, DJ tripled 16, if he'd piled that, he would have been level with Higo. You know, Harris English, who I had money on, couldn't hit the ball and keep it on the planet. And Chesson Hadley finished bogey, bogey, bogey. I mean, yeah, I mean, Elliot, I think you would have beaten them over those holes. So um, it's, no, it was, he got handed the title, but fair play to him. He got that, he, he posted the score, did very well. As you said, he, he could have, uh, he could have um, 
fallen apart a little bit at the end as well, but kept his game together. And um, he's very, very impressive golfer. I thought his world ranking would be even better than it is, to be honest with you, having won three times already this year. But he's a he's a man to to really uh, to take take notice of. And as I say, he's 22 years old. So he's living the dream now, isn't he? Yeah, and uh, just think how long it's taken Louis Tazen to, to win in the US. He's never done it. And Higo's done it in his second start. So some perspective there. Like, this guy looks to be a major winner. Um, he's cool under pressure. He's a brilliant ball striker. Uh, and as he uh, says in this little snippet that we're about to play, his short game is is um, very, very hot at the moment. He just looks like the complete player right now at the age of 22. Just, uh, yeah, it's, it's so great to see. And i um, really look forward to seeing his career progress. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you did speak to him about a month or so ago. So before we go any further, let's uh, listen to Garrett Higo. Well, I knew I can do, you know, good things when I play well. But if, when you expect to win is when you don't win, you know. So I never expect to win, but I try and win. Um, and, you know, I just try and try and stay in it until the last nine and, and see if I can close it. The biggest improvement has been my short game. Um, I went to from the V, the normal Pro V, um, to the X, which spins a lot more around the greens. Um, you know, just worked hard on my short game because I've always been a good ball striker. But, you know, previously my short game hasn't, um, you know, helped me, you know, when I'm in trouble or not as much as I would like to. So, and I think that's why the last four weeks I've, I've played consistently well. Like the first week in Austria, I... My short game helped me a lot and I think that's why I've been able to you know get two top tens you know when I when I don't you know when I don't win so yeah I'm not a big goal setter um I mean the obvious things you want to I want to you know get to world number one and all that stuff but um yeah I mean I just I, my focus is every week just play as well as I can and learn from my mistakes um and then the wins and you know all the other things will just happen in, in when it's the right time so there were a few snippets from garrick higo and that was uh, an interview that elliot did with him uh, about a month or so ago uh, and if you want to listen to the whole of the half hour interview that elliot did with him um, it's on an episode from just a few weeks ago check in your podcast provider and uh, look back at a few uh, episodes ago and you'll find that interview uh, but he sounds uh, a very motivated chap isn't he yeah, uh, very professional, um, an old head on young shoulders, I would say, just um, not getting ahead of himself. He knows that um, he's on a fantastic run of form at the moment. He knows it won't last forever because he um, he was speaking about the missed cuts that he had earlier this year to me there. And um, just, yeah, a, a top level sportsman, <laughs> very... Um, very sensible, very professional, very hardworking. And um, yeah, with, with that sort of attitude, I think he's going to go a very long way. Do you think he's got a chance this week? Look, I'm looking at his odds, he's about 70 to 1. Uh, you can't really say no, can you? He's just won on the PGA Tour. Uh, his ball striking is fantastic. Uh, he finds a lot of fairways. He actually hits it a very, very long way as well. Probably one of the longest hits on the European Tour. So. I would imagine he'll be right up there on the PGA Tour in terms of distance. Um, yeah, why not? He's got major experience. Um, it, it's going to be a long stretch for him to win, but you could definitely see him challenging, I guess. Yeah, I think he's, well, he, we know he's in 
ridiculous form. I mean, he's he's just been playing outstanding golf. I think if you look at his last, um, I think, six starts, he's finished fourth, first, eighth, first, 64th at the PGA Championship, and then first again. I mean, that is some playing, isn't it? You know, you get, he, he's just performing every time he tees it up, pretty much. Um, you're right, US Open could be a, a push, but... Um, He's a good each way bet, to be honest with you. So um, definitely someone to keep an eye on. And um, there was another event at the weekend, uh, a joint event between the European Tour and the LET, uh, the Ladies European Tour. Um, and it's called the Scandinavian Mix. And Jonathan Caldwell won his maiden European Tour title with a birdie at the 72nd hole. Alice Hewson in third was the top finishing lady. And... Um, I thought it was a really good event and they actually got it set up quite well because we weren't sure but you know was a were the men going to be at the top were the women going to be at the top but it seemed to have a good mixture didn't it throughout the whole of the tournament yeah I thought it was really fair I thought we saw some fantastic goal from the, the ladies um Wolf I think the Austrian looked really impressive and um we don't really know too much about these players because of Covid and because of the Rose Lady series last year it was sort of more uk based so uh, these fantastic europeans we don't know too much about um pia babnik as well the uh, the young she's slovenian i think she um looks a fantastic talent i think she's only 17 and yeah it's got to be a fantastic experience for the girls that they, they all said how much they love playing with the men how far the men hit it and and how they were learning a lot about them and uh fantastic to see um alice houston up there she's had some good results in the rose lady series I think she won the South African Open in her first ever L.E.T. start as well. So um, did she join the likes of Georgia Hall, Mel Reed, Charlie Hull on that sort of elite English level? Very, very possibly. And then there's a good story with Jonathan Caldwell. Um, brilliant birdie on the last, stuck it to like a foot. So best shot of his entire life, you'd have to say. And and what a story that was. Played Walker Cup with Rory McIlroy. He was his partner in uh, both of the doubles games. Uh, and their careers have gone completely different ways since then. I think he's worked in a golf shop for about five years whilst he was on the Euro Pro Tour just to fund his dream and keep his dream alive. And um, yeah, it was it was lovely to see. We've seen some amazing stories this year with likes of Richard Bland and Marcus Armitage. And, and this was another one. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was, it was obviously a very good performance. But I thought the whole event was very positive for golf, to be honest with you. We've, we've seen over especially the last few years, how much the uh, LET have struggled to get events out. And I think it's time that these tours start working together to grow the game. Um, I think there's a really good opportunity here. Uh, It's just, I think, a really good news story as well for golf. You know, if you've got men and women competing in the same tournaments for same prize funds and everything like that, I think it's just good. And I think it was very entertaining. Um, and as you say, I don't think there was a, an, an issue at all with anything, really, with the tournament, uh, how they set it up. I think they set it up really well, didn't they? Yeah, oh, it was perfect. I think uh, a few more men made the cut than the ladies, but uh, maybe that's to be expected with the the amount of golf that the men play and, and the quality that there is on the European Tour. But yeah, there were there were definitely some some women up there with a chance to win. Um, Houston, as I said, had a fantastic chance to win. And um, yeah, I think it was really evenly matched. And I, I would definitely love to see more of these kind of events um especially with the, like the the best the cream of the crop the the uh, lpga tour players and the pga tour players the olympics um i just think that's what golf needs because it's entertaining and 
um, I think it benefits both tours. Absolutely, and I, I think I think we're going to see more and more of it. To be honest with you, and I think that's only a good thing. Uh, to be honest with you, I hope so. So, before we discuss the US Open, we need to talk about our sponsors, Titleist, and the momentum the brand is taking into Tory Pines this week. Last week at the Palmetto Championship, Titleist brand ambassador Garrick Higo trusted 14 Titleist clubs, including the new TSI 3 driver and the Pro V1X golf ball, to claim his maiden PGA Tour victory in just his second start. There was similar success for Jonathan Caldwell, who trusted a new Pro V1X to capture his first European Tour win at the Scandinavian Mixed hosted by Henrik and Annika. To find out more about the full Titleist product line, head to titleist.co.uk. So it's US Open time, and yes, it is the US Open already. Uh, only a few weeks ago that there's the PGA Championship and that incredible win for Mickelson, you know, history in the making. And I'm not sure we've had time to really take that all in, and we've got another major straight away. Now, I mean, Ellie, you've already mentioned you, th you think that the, the schedule's too compressed. And it does feel a little bit like that, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. Uh, if you look at tennis, actually, they had the French Open last week and then they've got Wimbledon in like a week or two and that's really compressed for them. But then they wouldn't go have the US Open another month after that and then the Australian Open a month before. So I think they spread their majors out really nicely. Um, and golf, yeah, let's just pack them all into four months. Even the Open Championship next month, that's going to be like, God, it was only the US Open <laughs> the other day. So, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of this new schedule. Um, like I said earlier, I think we kind of forgot about it last year with COVID because it was all new, but we're, we're back to 2019 when I don't really think anybody was a fan of it. And, uh, yeah, should we hear what Tom Watson thinks? Yes, well, you spoke to Tom Watson about this very thing. So let's stop talking and let's listen to a legend of the game give his thoughts on this. So here is Tom Watson. I wasn't for it. I think it compresses the uh, uh, the tournament schedule too much. Uh, and, and some of the players have complained, not complained, but they've said in as much as that, you know, they, they have the four major championships in the schedule there. You throw the World Golf Championships in there. Uh, it, it compresses the schedule uh, so that they have, uh, you know, they have to eliminate some tournaments that they don't want to eliminate to play you know, the play. Uh, the four major championships in four months. Uh, I think that uh, uh, it is best. You know, I like the schedule the way it was before with the PGA in, in August. So there you go. The legend that is Tom Watson uh, giving his thoughts on the schedule. And I think he's got a point, but there is a reason why we don't have the majors in August anymore. It's because of the, the PGA Tour season, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's all about the PGA Tour, getting those FedEx Cup playoffs done in time for the uh, NFL season. I'm not an NFL fan, so I don't know why on earth it should, you know, ruin my golf experience. But it's uh, a competitive world, isn't it? And um, yeah, we did <laughs> hear quite a bit about the Premier Golf League last year. And that's definitely a benefit that they could potentially have is that um, they would put golf first or, I don't know, be able to highlight it above uh, the other sports, but um, I guess even at last year's US Open, we saw terrible viewing figures, didn't we, in September? So uh, it's, it's got to be a, a good reason for it, I guess, but just doesn't really work for us hardcore golf fans that, that would love to have stuff spaced out throughout the year. I, th I think it's it's not a case of putting golf first. I think the PJ Tour do obviously put golf first. It's just, it's putting 
putting up against fewer other distractions or competitors. And when we, I think they say that is it means other sport basically. And the NFL is huge. It's massive, whether you like it or not, Elliot. Um, you know, it's a team sport. People back their team. It's different to golf, where you might have a few favourite players, um, but you don't go. You know, you don't get to see your favourite players every Sunday. Oh, they might not be even challenging every Sunday. You know, it's completely different makeup. It's like you know, if you're an Arsenal fan. Would you rather watch Arsenal or watch? Um, the end of a golf tournament well actually you're an Arsenal fan so maybe at the moment you uh would want to watch the golf but um uh it's yeah and, and as you said last year um with the, the the way that the schedule was because of covid the us open was up against the nfl and they saw the viewing figures what some of the worst that they've had since the, i think the the late 80s and that was you know with bryson winning you know one of those guys who uh is a big big name and uh someone who hits the headlines so I understand why they've done it. And look, we've got a lot of golf to go as well. Uh, after the Open, we've got the US Open this month. We've got the Open in July. We've got the Olympics in August. We've got the Ryder Cup at the end of September. So it's not like there's nothing. And that's without even mentioning the, the FedEx Cup playoffs and all the all the other stuff. So there is a lot of golf still to happen. And uh, although, uh, and also, I was just going to touch on your your point about the tennis majors as well. They they do have the US Open in August. Um, but the thing, the reason why they're able to spread their whole um, schedule out is because they obviously have a Southern Hemisphere major as well, so they can fit the Australian Open in quite early, I think January, February time, um, which obviously is a bit trickier for golf because of the, you know, it's winter time basically in, in where that where the majors are held in America or the UK. So I think it's it's tricky, isn't it? And I think that the thing which will move it is the players, isn't it? If the players start not playing in majors or they start moaning, then that could be where the, where things maybe change, couldn't they? Uh, well, they're never not going to play in majors, but they might not play in the big events between them, which uh, we saw in 2019. But I don't, I wouldn't really say we've seen it this year, to be honest. Maybe it's just because everybody still feels like they need to play a little bit more, especially with like Olympics and Ryder Cup. But um yeah, then the PJ Tour sponsors won't be very happy because all the good players are skipping their events to get ready for the majors. Uh, I remember Justin Rose uh, played quite a limited schedule in 2019 just to prepare for, for the big four. Um, but yeah, players are never going to skip the majors, are they? No, they're probably not. But um, anyway, let's let's stop worrying about the schedule for a moment and let's actually start looking ahead to the 121st US Open uh, being played at iconic course, Tory Pines. Uh, are you a fan of Tory Pines? Uh, not so much in the Farmers. I think it's got some wonderful views, and I I do like the South Course, but the Farmers plays over both, doesn't it? Mm. Um, the South Course has a very good finish. I love that par 518, uh, and it's got, yeah, uh, some very recognisable holes. Uh, but I think... In the US Open, I'm going to like it a lot more because it's going to be playing as a US Open. It's going to be thicker, rough, firmer fairways. Uh, obviously, we see it in January normally, so I think the course will be much firmer and, and more difficult now. So, um, yeah, I'm very, very excited for this one. Um, obviously, haven't really seen a, a Tory Pines US Open um, in my life, I guess, because I I don't really remember watching 2008 because I was um, quite young and I don't think I had access to Sky Sports back in those days. So, yeah, well, this is only second US Open and let's face it, the 2008 one 
is it goes down as a classic. Um, it's also you got, you got to see an awful lot of the course in two thousand and eight because they also had the eighteen hole playoff uh, on the Monday. So um, Tiger is obviously Tiger Woods winning his fourteenth major. He only had he's playing on one leg as they always say. He was limping around the course. Um, and he managed to just, just hold off Rocco Mediate, who, who I think a lot of people felt very sorry for because Rocco Mediate played absolutely superbly and would have beaten anybody else other than Tiger, who managed to pull off. I think he birdied the 72nd hole, didn't he, to make, to make the playoff. And as I said, the playoff in that, in, at that time was 18 holes the next day. So um, I remember actually going to work when I was actually working for a TV listings uh, magazine, uh, same publishers as we currently are, and uh, chatting, oh, well, Tigers, he'll, he'll beat him over 18 holes now. Um, you know, Mediate's chance was the was the night before. But then Mediate was, a, um, again, brilliant in the playoff. Um, and Tiger, again, I think, then birdied 18 again to then take it to extra holes. I think that is. I think he then won off the playoff, uh, one on the first sudden death hole, I think that is, that's right. But it was a, I mean, Tiger had one leg, as everyone always says. I mean, he had two legs, let's face it. He had a bad knee, but he did have two legs. Um, and he had to play 91 holes. You know, it wasn't 72 holes, he had to play 90, 91 holes. And it was just an amazing performance. And it's just an iconic, there's so many iconic shots Tiger is, is celebrating what appears to be the win in about five different five different holes because he had to hold so many amazing putts. His putter was just on fire. So um, I, it's I, I remember it very, very well. And um, it was a, a brilliant US Open. And if they get anywhere close to that drama, then I think we're in for a very, very good week. Yeah, I remember following it on like the BBC live text or something. And... Uh seen it so many times since the highlights and that part that you mentioned to get into that playoff um from just right of the hole sort of 10 or 12 foot best part i've ever seen personally i think uh didn't see it live but it's got to be the best part in my lifetime just the the pressure that he was under there the green was quite bobbly as well actually because we've seen it from so many different angles and um yeah it's just an example of how great tiger woods was Oh, without doubt, and it's it's amazing that that was his his last major for so long uh, before he of course uh, before he of course won the Masters um, in twenty nineteen. Was that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it was amazing when you look back on that. I mean, you were going to see an awful lot of highlights of that and reruns of that um, that epic epic performance and it's just iconic what i do remember is the course was an absolute slog it was i think very long it was quite slow going things to just uh, get yourself mentally prepared for if you're watching this week don't expect a particularly quick play i would say um but it's um yeah it's different i, I, I think toy pines is, a, is is one of those iconic courses now on the pj tour we see obviously every, every year the farmers don't we and um there it, it does help because you then find out who kind of likes playing there don't we so who who do you think's got a good chance going into this week from previous course form i think the favorite in particular Elliot. yeah john ram is uh very fancy he obviously won his first pga tour title there in 2017 with that 
60 foot eagle putt from the back of the green. Um, Snedeker's got good form there, but he's not actually playing. This is first US Open he's missing since 2012. Um, likewise, Jason Day has also won there twice, and he's missing, uh, I think, his first US Open since possibly 2012 as well, actually. This week, I quite like Justin Rose. He won in uh, 2019 when he was world number one. Um, had a very good Masters without even hitting the ball very well. He had a very good US Open in 2019 without hitting the ball very well. Um, so maybe he might actually hit the ball quite well this week because his putting is up there with the best in the world. And just for whatever reason, his iron play and, and driving just hasn't been as good as it used to be. But um, maybe this could be his week. Yeah, absolutely. And um, before we talk about other favourites, let's hear from Tom Watson again. And Tom Watson talking about another legend, uh, Phil Mickelson, who, of course, won the PGA Championship to become the oldest major winner in history. Uh, he's been a six-time runner-up of the US Open. It's the only major he doesn't have. If he wins the US Open this week, he will have uh, the Grand Slam and be one of only a few people to have collected every single major. So let's listen to Tom Watson's thoughts on Mickelson's chances this week. Well, I thought it was wonderful, but it didn't surprise me. I, I you know, Phil still hits the ball a long way. When you hit the ball a long way, you can still uh, you can still uh, perform against anybody on the tour. Uh, it was just a matter of keeping uh, keeping from all the landmines there at, at Kiowa, and there were a lot of landmines there. I can assure you. Uh, and you know the up and down he made at 18 on Saturday, uh, the bunker shot he hold on the fifth hole on Sunday. Uh, that's typical Phil Mickelson. He's the best short game player in the world, and it didn't surprise me that. Uh, he, he ended up uh, winning the tournament, frankly. If he can win at the PGA at, at the Ocean Course at Kiowa, he can win anywhere. I mean, that's that's a tough, tough, tough golf course. I mean, uh, Torrey Pines is going to be easy compared to Kiowa. So there you go, Tom Watson. And he reckons, you know, if Mickelson's game's on point, he's got a chance. And Mickelson has won three times at Torrey Pines in the past, hasn't he? Yeah, from San Diego as well. So he's going to have all the support in the world, especially with no Tiger Woods there. Um, I think just sadly for him, he's kind of already won the US Open this year because Kira Island was basically a US Open setup, wasn't it? It was long, it was tough, the greens were tricky. So to go and win a, a massive tournament on a golf course that is going to be very difficult, um, it's going to have a long rough as well. Whereas uh, Kiowa was a bit more sandy, wasn't it? And we, as we know, Mickelson does get a little bit wayward with the driver. Um, I can't see it, to be honest. But, you know, Watson says that Tory's going to be a lot easier than Kiowa. Um, Mickelson is going to have the home fans. Um, we saw how mentally strong he is. So, yeah, I don't know. You can doubt him, can't you? You can't doubt Tiger Woods. Can you doubt Mickelson? Possibly. Yeah, I mean, Mickelson's got, if Mickelson has his game on, he's he's such, still such a fantastic player. And that's the thing at Kiowa, he drove the ball brilliantly at Kiowa, didn't he? He he was very, 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 very long, very, very straight, you know, which is not like him. You know, he's usually having to get, get up and down from everywhere. So um, it will be interesting um, to see. It's very tough. I think he's got quite long odds. He's 70 to 1. You know, he's just won a major. He's obviously in good form. He obviously feels great about his game. He's obviously very positive. It, it, it's one, it's 
the mental battle though if he finds himself doing well can he get over the line because it's like this is the tournament that he wants to win he's desperate to win um and i think it would be hard of him to win than the pga championship where he was just in the zone for the whole of that final round in particular he just never looked like he was going to lose it um i i think um it's a long shot but yeah if you fancy yeah, a couple of quid each way I, I you know i wouldn't blame you absolutely um one other person before we look at the favorites really uh and that's well he's one of the favorites uh he's the defending champion that's bryson de hasn't had the most spectacular of seasons especially in the last a few weeks but let's face it last year his performance was outstanding he told everyone how he was going to win it before the tournament started everyone was laughing at him saying you're never going to be able to win it like that and he proved everyone wrong didn't he, he just hit it as far as he could wedged it out of the thick rough and two putted basically every green um, or birdie putted as it was uh, he did on several occasions as well and he um, no one could keep up with him could they no matt wolf took him very close but then sort of faded didn't he and i think shabba went on to win by six yeah, he, he just demolished it, didn't he? But we haven't really seen him at that level since. He did win at Bay Hill as well, to be fair. He uh, was third at the players, so definitely showing signs of form. But on that day, that was, or on that week, should I say, he was um, performing to the very best visibility. Uh, he had it worked out. He knew which side to miss, which side he couldn't miss. Um, and there was a lot of talk about his strategy after that. Um and I wonder what the USGA has done this year to, to try and stop that. Well, I think that's the thing. He was getting a lot, of, let's face it, he was getting a lot of abuse. He was getting a lot of abuse from presenters, from ex-golfers, who just did not like the way that he was he was planning on doing it, which was, I'm going to try and hit it as far as I can. And they were laughing at him. They would be, I think a lot of people were very unkind to him, actually, because he's put a lot of work into his game to be able to hit it all as far as he, as he can. And I think everyone forgets how good his short game was. Uh, his wedge and putting were superb that US Open as well. So um, he's won already this year, of course, the Arnold Palmer, where he was <laughs> he was the most entertaining golfer of the week by a long way, where he was uh, trying to drive par fives. And it's, it's, it was brilliant to see, wasn't it? And um, I think he, he's going to have the, uh, yeah, the bit between his teeth again this week. He, he'll want to try and defend that title, won't he? Yeah, we saw Kepka defend the title, didn't we, at um, Shinnecock Hills in 2018. Um, that was the first time, I think, since Curtis Strange in the late 80s. So it doesn't happen very often, but um, yeah, why not? I mean, he's the scientist, isn't he? He can't really doubt him. He, uh, he goes about his golf in a very different way to everybody else. He seems like he works incredibly hard. And um, all the bulking up was to win the majors. Uh, I think on his day, he's the best player in the world. He's won the US Amateur, won NCAA Division One titles, won loads of PGA Tour titles and a major now. So, um, yeah, he, he's definitely got the game to do it. And if he does it, it'll be very entertaining. Absolutely. And that's the thing. He is the great entertainer, really, now. I mean, you don't know what he's going to do next. So, uh, really looking forward to that. So, let, let's talk about a few other people um, who are worth mentioning. We've mentioned uh, John Rahm, haven't we? Favourite for the tournament at 10 to 1. Uh, should we talk about Rory McIlroy? Yeah, sure. 
so obviously one uh, just about a month ago at Quail Hollow. Um, you know, he if he can get his game in, in shape, he's you know he's done well at Tory Pines in the past, hasn't won there. That's had a couple of top tens. Um, I, for, for me, if Rory can hit his first tee shot of the tournament and keep it in play, then he's got a chance because we, we were laughing the other day. Every time we have a good build-up for Rory, he, his first tee shots are some of the worst tee shots I think I've seen in golf. I've never seen anyone hit them. He hit one into a swimming pool, didn't he? Uh, when was that? On the, was that in the match play? Yeah, that was his first tee shot. First tee yeah, shot at the tournament, he hit it into a swimming pool. And no, then... that wasn't his first tee shot. It was one of his first tee shots, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was in the first round. And then uh, the PGA, we said, oh, look, come on, Rory, you know, he started on the tenth, hit it into, into a swamp, basically. Uh, you know, we had that comedy first hole where uh, Kepka, who he was playing with, left his ball in the bunker and Rory was taking a drop at the same time. And it looked very much like me and you playing West Hill tomorrow. So um, it's, um, if Rory can get out of his own way, and get into the tournament, then I think he's got a very good chance, hasn't he? Yeah, of course. He does seem to always hurt himself. You remember Port Rush stuck at OB off the tee with his yeah. first tee shot. Uh, even at the but, Masters in 2018, yeah. in that final round, he, he pushed it about 40 yards, 50 yards right or something. So, yeah, we know when there's no pressure on him, he just plays effortless golf, hits it miles, hits the greens, holds the putts. But... In the majors, it's different. He puts himself under so much pressure. Um, but, you know, he's, he's been with his new coach, Pete Cowan, now for a good few months. He did show some fantastic signs at Quail Hollow when he won. Um, and since he's moved to Florida, since he's become sort of full-time PGA Tour, he has been playing in this event every year. And like you said, he, he's got quite some, some good form there. I think he's been in the top five a couple of times. So. He's definitely had chances to win on the final round on a couple of occasions. So that could actually bode quite well for him. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about Kupka as well, because he is obviously, we've spoken about Bryson. Bryson and Brooks are having this bit of a face-off at the moment, aren't they, where they um, seem to be um, getting annoyed by each other. And I think some of it's quite pantomime. Some of it's just for entertainment. I think some of it's to try and get, get more money out of the, uh, the uh, social media fund or whatever they call it. Um, what, the, what do they call that? The tour player, the player impact program. Yeah, I think that I think that's got something to do with it. To be honest with you, but um, he's he's someone we can't count out of this, isn't he? Yeah, uh, he was kind of like the the major beast, wasn't he? In uh, from twenty seventeen to twenty nineteen, but um, I I think I counted four times now where he's let a major slip away on the final day um, at the opening. 2019 his putting was terrible and then he went and won the very next week so his putting can't have been that bad um and there's been a few other occasions um last time at kiowa he was very very poor on the final day so i don't know maybe it's a, a mental block uh we, we saw it with mcroy didn't we he won four majors very very quickly and and then didn't win one for well he hasn't won one for basically seven years so he would very much like to get over the line and, and sort of get into that five major club. But he hasn't really shown that winning final round in, in a while. So he's going to have a lot of mental pressure on that final day if he does somehow get himself into contention. Oh, without doubt. But I think I'd still rather be in his shoes where he's won four and 
he's he's still getting up there, isn't he? He's still there on a Sunday. You know, he's still competing all the way, isn't he? So you'd rather he was in that position and fell away than not being in that position at all in the first place. So uh, I think he's someone to really keep an eye on. Um, there's a couple of other people we probably need to mention. Morikawa, he's he should be someone who should enjoy the Toy Pines test because because they've got quite small greens. It's usually someone who's got a good, decent short game, does very well. Morikawa's pretty much got one of the best short games in tour, hasn't he? Yeah, and I was uh, saw a stat as well about how he's basically the best iron player every single week he plays, and that gap is only stretching. Um, so, yeah, it's the US Open. Whoever hits the ball the best wins, basically, and, and he's going to find the most amount of greens, you would think, if he plays well. So, um, yeah, I, I could easily see Morikawa winning this. Uh, we, we always say how he's sort of underrated, and I think it's basically because he doesn't hit the ball 340 yards every time. Um, but apart from that, he's one of the, the very, very best players in the world. Um, and one of the, well, he is the best iron player in the world. So he, he's got to be right up there in the favourites list. And um, someone else who grew up very close to the to the course, went to school very close by, is Andrew Schofle as well. He's someone who's always hit for majors and has done very well, though he hasn't actually caused one one. But he could have a good week, couldn't he? Yeah, I'll give away one of uh, Jeremy Chapman's tips here, the GM tips that he's actually gone for Chauffeur this week. Uh, he's had four top fives in the US Open in four US Open starts, I believe, uh, from San Diego as well. So, um, yeah, it's about time that he wins a major. His major form is absolutely incredible. And, um, yeah, one of the few tips that Chapman has posted on the Golf Monthly website. Yeah, and absolutely well said. Um, you know, we, we're chatting away here nicely, but we've got the tipster who has been in very good form, had John Rahm uh, just a couple of weeks ago when John Rahm was six clear and then had to withdraw because of COVID. You know, he, he tipped him for that. And um, actually a lot of bookmakers paid out for that as well. So um, do check out Jamie Chapman's tips at the Golf Monthly website, golfmonthly.com, or check out our social media at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram and Golf Monthly Magazine on facebook elliot yeah are you are you a bit more excited about the us open now we've chatted about it oh i've always been excited about it yeah i love the us open um like i said i, I love to see the players struggle um, i love it when it's over par and um got good memories of just like following it on the on the um, live text websites when i was at school because it was always late at night and didn't have sky and then um I remember just watching the tournament um, when I did have Sky, and I was just like, wow, this this is awesome. It's a fantastic event. We've seen some amazing winners in the past, um, from Tiger Woods in 08 to Justin Rose. I loved watching that US Open and um, all of them in between, basically. So, yeah, um, lo absolutely love this tournament. And I think it's really open this week. John Rahm is overwhelming favourite, but he hasn't won a major before. So, um Behind him, I really don't think you can split anyone. So who knows what is going to happen? Absolutely. And um, yeah, I think it is very wide open. And the US Open, sometimes you do get slightly odd winners because uh, uh, it's the players who manage to hold on maybe at the for the longest time actually uh, get over the line. So um, do check out the Golf Monthly website, golfmonthly.com, for all the latest updates. We'll be working throughout the week and uh, late on uh, over the weekend to get... All the best coverage for you guys so uh do check out the website and social media channels elliot great chatting we will recap the whole of 
the US Open. See if Mickelson's won the Grand Slam, see if uh, Rory's won again, or see if someone completely random's managed to have their first major win. And we'll chat about that next week, won't we? Yeah, and I will see you tomorrow. Absolutely. Uh, don't forget your wallet, because I'm going to take your money. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, as ever, do uh, subscribe if you haven't already, and um, we will speak to you again next week.